Hello, I'm Michael Brodeur, and welcome to Leaders Alliance. We are a global community of kingdom-minded leaders who are passionate about helping you become the world-changing leader that God created you to be. Join the conversation. Welcome back, everybody, for another episode of Leaders Alliance podcast. We're so happy for, the, for you to join us. And, uh, and if you're watching this in archives, honestly, we have so much good stuff to offer you. Check us out at leadersalliance.org or check us out at YouTube or uh, on Facebook as well. And really join in because we want to provide the resources that will help you become the leader that God's called you to be. In fact, we are a global community of kingdom-minded leaders who have joined together and unified our hearts from both the church and the marketplace, bringing those two things together so that we can see God's kingdom come and his will be done in the lives of individuals through salvation and healing and blessing, but also in the lives of our neighborhoods, our cities, in our nations. We want to see the impact of the kingdom in every sphere of society. And so we're building these dynamic partnerships through leadersalliance.org to help you become the leader that God's called you to be, to connect with others of like mind and like passion, and also to really fortify local churches so that they can be powerful in their impact in the community around them. Anyway, I'm so happy you're with us. And we have an excellent guest today, my dear friend, Andrew McMillan. Andrew is just a phenomenal leader who is based in Medellin, Colombia. He is uh, he moved there with his wife years and years ago, I think more than 25 years ago, 30 years ago, and has established a very powerful church, which he's now turned over into the leadership of, of uh, one of his uh, emerging leaders. And he is just an amazing uh, leader. He's an amazing apostolic voice. He is also somebody who is uh, working in the marketplace, working with government, just really a broad-based pastor leader who's touching many different spheres of the Colombian society and, and also all parts of South America. So why don't you come on, Andrew, and, and uh, join me right now. And uh, I am so excited about this conversation. And um, I just love hanging out with you. First of all, and, and beyond that, you know, I just love drawing from the wisdom that God's given you over the years of ministry that you've been. I mean, really, you know, you're going to tell your story in just a moment, but obviously you carry so many seasons of growth and impact and challenges and difficulties that you've overcome. And now here you are speaking to the body of Christ as a real seasoned father in the Lord. And so, so excited you're on board. Thanks, man. Hey, I tell you, it's always a shot in an arm for me to be on this Zoom cast. I'm telling you the truth. Um, I, I don't like many Zooms. You know, they're, you don't feel that they're very life-giving. But every Wednesday, this is kind of like a, a shot in the arm for me. And I think one of the reasons is, is because there's you got two things going on here. And, and it's your leadership, Michael, but the whole team of Jordan and Diane, you got vision and wisdom, um, and they don't hook up a lot of times. <laughs> but I, and I, I remember years ago, my wife Kathy and I, we were praying, and, and we were listening to this, some lady giving a prophecy, and she was screaming, eyes and wings, eyes and wings. And we start screaming too, eyes and wings, eyes and wings. And that was, you know, that's the vision, the eyes and the wings are, is the wisdom to get there. You know, wow. eyes to see and the wisdom to get there. And that's what's going on in Leadership Alliance. 
That's so cool. Well, gosh, as we get started, I would just love you to share a little picture of your story, how you guys ended up doing what you're doing and where it's at right now. And particularly as we go deeper, I want to hear some of the leadership moments in yeah. your history that has actually brought you to where you are today. So why don't you just give us the, the, the first of all, just the overview of your life story, and then we'll drill down into some of the leadership questions. And then I know you have some stuff on your heart that God's put there for our listeners today. So dive in. All right. Well, I, I won't go back to childhood, but I, I just, just say I, I, I studied at the University of Virginia, religious studies and, um, and uh, English literature. And I was going oh, to be a, writer, a poet, you know, smoke yes. a pipe, live in a nice uh, house in the woods, maybe teach at the university and be mildly famous, you know, wow. and, 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 and be married to a nice Southern gentle girl. That was the that plan. Good. And so that's that's good. in the middle of a crazy city of 4 million people and, uh, <laughs> and don't have it. Don't have my wife just said, Okay, I'll, I'll tell her. My my wife gives me advice, and I'm wise to listen to it. And uh, and and then gives me a wife from New Jersey, but praise God because I don't think any other wife would have made it with me. I've had That's times funny. when um, I, I remember when we first came here to Medellin. It was in '94. In the first uh, two weeks, I, I saw four people murdered. And then wow. that was, you know, the, the devil's welcome sign. Wow. And that's, you know, when you, when you see stuff like that, that's a sign that you're near the target and you're getting flack. So, wow. and then, and then right after that, um, we were sitting in a house, we heard pow, pow, pow. So that's gotta be, you know, fireworks. But it was another young man that was just shot about, you know, 50, 70 yards from our house. And I went out there to, to see as, you know, he was, he was dead. And right then the motorcycle with three guys on the motorcycle drove by to make sure he was dead. And then my wife comes out of the house and starts screaming, there they go. Get them, get them. Oh, no. <laughs> but she's also one time she was driving the kids to church and this guy stops in front of her and she had to stop. He gets out with a big pistol and lo looking around like looking for someone to, to shoot. And she just start rebuking him, you know, rebuking the spirit. So she's she's pretty bold and, and wild. That's an well, amazing wife. Yeah, wouldn't have made it for her. So, um, but anyway, so, um, but you know, I, I wanted to be a poet, write poems. But I, I have to say, when you know, when I see those people worshiping God, every person is a lot better than any any poem I could have ever written. You know, oh, so that's, that's so cool. That's the fulfillment there. And yes. uh, so I was um, after I. Um, I went to um, seminary. I, I planted a church in, in New Jersey. No, excuse me. I didn't plant the church. I was. I became a pastor of an American Baptist church, and I was and I was deacon possessed. And, uh, and there was a woman with a Jezebel spirit. I didn't even know what it was, but I was twisting my soul into a pretzel about every every but every uh, week. But God gave me the wisdom to see what it was. And before this woman died, we were reconciled. And I, I loved all the deacons by themselves. But see, here, here's a leadership principle right here. When there's stress and conflict in a church, uh -huh. there's either three reasons. One is that um, it's a personality thing. It's, it's uh, mm -hmm. emotional 
a lack of emotional intelligence and we just yes. have to grow. The second thing, there are really demonic spirits wanting to divide yeah. the, the pastoral team. That's right. And then the third reason, there's a structural reason. And the structural reason, like in that Baptist church, is where the deacons, well, even one deacon said to me, deacons uh, are here forever. Pastors come and go, but we're eternal. In other words, so the pastor couldn't be the lead visionary person. And the government yeah. is the New Testament. So it really caused a lot of conflict. So you might want to look at that. If you're suffering some stress, how much of that is a need for a, a change of structure? But anyway, mm. it, it was supernatural. Um, that I, I knew that I needed to um, get under someone with a big vision, get out of the denomination and hook myself up with someone with a big vision. And I had no plans of being a missionary uh, mm. in South America. Kathy did. She had that calling since she was 12 years old. And we wow. were, I was during the dater, but she kept her distance. <sighs> All I can say is that God finally opened her eyes and she fell in love with me. <laughs> it was a process. When God told her that I was going to be her husband, she she cried out and says, no, no, not him. But anyway, <laughs> uh, we started dating and, um, and I got the clear supernatural. I'm not going to have time to go into it, but I was so supernaturally called to go to with my wife to Cali, Colombia. It, it's all in my book which is it's called the safest place on earth. Um, <laughs> it, Michael, it's, an Amazon reduced the price really insulting. It's down to about $4. So oh, just, wow. You know, Come on, yeah, get the book, you guys. But remember, I was going to be a poet, so it's well written. You know, okay. but, and it tells these supernatural stories and, and the direction, of what how God brought me into um, Columbia. And then we served with Randy and Marcella McMillan, who founded Mission South America. Randy's from Virginia Beach, Marcy's from Columbia. And no relation to you, right? No, they're McMillan. McMillan. Yeah, I'm micro, they're micro. So, um, but I learned so much of the Holy Spirit. And I would really question going to seminary. I would just find someone who you resonate with that has a big vision where you can learn and serve and, that's really helped me. But in about 93, I started getting my heart broken by uh, Medellin. I mean, someone just mentioned Medellin and I would, uh, and, and, and I'm not one of those intercessors that would just, you know, wail and I would right. look at this. I know that's God, but that's not for me. But I became one of those wow. and I was so broken and wow. I couldn't handle it. Uh, and so that's where I was sharing the principle that, um, we really cannot have any authority over people that we don't love and are ready to die for. Wow. And one of the greatest gifts in my life, I think, is besides my wife and salvation, is Jesus let me feel a little bit of his love for this city. Wow. And, uh, and people and dogs know if you love them, you know? <laughs> <laughs> people and dogs. <laughs> Yeah, oh, that's so good. And and uh, so how did that happen? Like that was a call for sh- for sure to a city. You were already in Cali, but God called you over. Is that how it worked? And yeah, there, just we didn't that- know anybody. We were even we were t- people were telling us, don't go there. You know, with that white gringo face, you're going to get eaten up. There was a time of Pablo Escobar. There was, I mean, there was killings. It was the most violent 
um, and has kidnapping in this hemisphere at that time. Wow! Wow! So it was it was dangerous, but we we just had to go, and it was we had two little boys too, and uh, and one time um, after another murder, I was complaining to God, and I says, God, um, why do you 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 Send me to the city. It's so crazy. And I come up two little boys. Why did you do that? And then I called Randy, who was still alive then, Randy McMillan. And I says, I'm just having a hard time here. He says, well, you just haven't read the small print in Psalm 91. And 10,000 will fall at your side. Oh, gosh. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for the encouragement. Yeah, but, exactly. uh, um. But anyway, so when we got here, um, we had in the very beginning uh, the vision. We would take, this is another important leadership principle. Kathy and I took a lot of time to just dream together mm -hmm. and have vision nights, dream nights. And at one time before we even got to Medellin, we rented a, a real cheap a room in a rundown hotel, but they had a swimming pool. And no one was there. And we just walked around for four or five hours to the swimming pool and had a whiteboard at, at one of the corners and just dreamed and wrote down what we saw. We see people. We see groups. Everybody's a minister. We see men and women just so The children laying on the floor under the power of the Holy Spirit. We saw the, the everything we see now, we, were, we wrote on that whiteboard. That's so and then, cool. Uh, but but now, now that we're busy, uh, Kathy and I are talking. We need to get back to dreaming. Yes. And I, I'm, I, I know I'm going to mix up maybe a little bit this interview, but um, way back in 84, when I was still an American Baptist pastor, someone uh, said, you need to go to Dr. Cho's church in Korea. And yeah. you know, I went, and I still had the notebook. That's I so mean, cool. that's, I, and I, first thing here, uh, a pastor must be a man or a woman of vision and dreams. And he must live in the power of the fourth dimension. And I'm telling you, I still, that that marked my ministry. And I think wow. that is the only reason that um, I think God has blessed us because we really, we, we, we dreamed, we, we talked vision. And you know, when you have a vision, and you know, you get it from the word, you mix it and with the desires in your heart, you mix it that together. Uh, God will send resources from heaven. He'll give oh, you the wisdom you never had. He'll send you the right so people. Cool. A vision yeah. attracts resources, wisdom, people. And yeah. Kathy and I look around the leaders that God has given us, and we just, where did they come from? <laughs> wow. Um, in, in this new generation, the leadership is more emotionally mature than we are. Wow. I mean, even my son one time, he's 30 years old, happily married. The other son is too. He said, you and mom need to learn how to live better. <laughs> That's so true. And, and That's so good. And just about three weeks ago, we ordained um, four new couples. And they're all emotionally mature, on fire, sense of the Holy Spirit. And and someone asked me, but Andrew, aren't you worried all these new young bucks are going to take your place? 
I said, that's what I want. And but I'm going to give a little leadership principle. From the very beginning, in, in the beginning of a church plant, you've got to be projecting that there's room for people to minister, home groups and new churches. Yes. Or, or the ceiling, only so many people can be pastors in your church, so many people can be leaders over different ministries. And, and that stunts people's growth. So from the yeah. very beginning, this is a church that's going to be everybody's a ministry. There's groups, and there's also um, uh, new church. We've planted about 20 churches, but now we're really going to get started. Yeah. But that it's almost. But aren't you worried they're going to take your place? Well, that's what we want. And right. so I'm, I'm, I had to tell the older generation, thir- three John, chapter four, John the elder says. I don't have any bigger joy. And imagine he had a lot of joys. I don't have any bigger joy than to see my sons walking, not just believing, but walking in truth. Wow. And and that that joy should be in the very beginning that you want to see this, uh, the new generations of leaders smoke you and heal dust. Yeah, I have a theory about that. You know, I think that so many of the church splits, if if you think of church as a family, doing church as a family, um, I believe that when you have that bottleneck at the top and you don't create the room that you're talking about, you actually create a bunch of frustrated teenagers. And about half of them will eventually rebel and do their own thing. But if you provide opportunity, then... you, you pretty much run through the, the rebellious teenage years of spiritual development and you actually are pushing them into their destiny. It has almost a reverse effect, like a re- reverse psychology that actually quells that sense of, oh, I need to push my dad out of the way so I can get somewhere. But, you know, and you seem to have done that better than most. I mean, this is as I've interviewed you about your, your leadership development over the years and then ultimately the succession process. I mean, yeah. I'm just okay. So talk uh, about that. There, you can you know teach them all these principles and empower them and get them all fired up, but if you don't have to give them the opportunity to be responsible, yeah, they'll go, they'll leave, they'll start another church. I, I know sometimes that we got can't send out people too quick. Understand? Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> also, Timothy, you know, don't lay hands on people quickly, and that context is right. You know, leadership empowering. Yeah. But um, I think the opposite is true, too. Boy, you've got to send them out. Um, um, what was I going to say? Oh, yeah, but also from the very beginning, we had um, the principle of putting a crown of gold about mm. 20 inches above every leader's head so yeah. they'll grow up into the crown. Oh, that's cool. Uh, and, you know, of course, you know, prophecy isn't about showing people where they're screwed up. They already know it's about their destiny and where they're going and yeah. it wakes that up. Um, and I got that principle from a E. Stanley Jones biography, mm. Songs of the Spit. And he was he got that from a black pastor in Atlanta. And that just stuck with me. So just put a crown of gold a little bit above everybody's head. And then, mm. I mean, everybody speaks that language. We're just putting crowns of gold everywhere. Yeah. And, uh, and people do grow up into it. And it's, again, giving That's that so space cool. for That's them so to grow. Good. 
And you know, I mean, destiny discovery and development is probably one of our key issues. And I feel like it's a key also to avoiding some of that bottleneck that creates that that sort of tension between you and an emerging leader and gives that uh -huh. leader that you get to be their cheerleader. You get to be their their uh, you know, their coach. So they can win the they can win the gold, you know. And I feel like that's where, and again, you're probably one of the better coaches that I've ever been around. I mean, I feel like you coach me and and I know you've coached uh, throughout Latin America. Uh, talk to us about like the the seasons. Like there's probably maybe been whatever, six or eight significant seasons in the growth of your church and the development of leaders that you've seen, let's say since you began and and until the moment where you did succession. How did that work? And what were some of the challenges what were some of the the victories? Give us a picture. Well, when we first got here, it was a fight. And uh, we started with five people in our home. Yeah. And I was so nervous. And, uh, and God sent us a nervous little teenage girl, a middle-aged woman dying of cancer, a big guy that was punctual, but he always arrived drunk, but always on time. <laughs> and then... And then finally, God sent this real professional-looking couple. And I was thinking, praise God, he sent somebody that, you know, that I can work with. Exactly. And, yeah. But right in the first meeting, uh, the guy pulled me back in the kitchen and says, hey, hey, pastor, just want to let you know, right off the bat, I'm a full-blooded Pisces, you know, Medellin man. And, uh, and I have about 20 lovers. I got my wife oh, yes. and the other women. So I don't, I don't, I hope you don't expect that I'm going to only sleep with my wife. And I said, well, you know, we weren't even talking about that tonight. So obviously, obviously God's dealing with you. And, uh, but you'll see. And, uh, and I was just thinking, oh man, this oh, is going to be a hard nut, you know? And then came back about a month later, says in the kitchen again, he says, Andrew, God's changing me. What's going on? I only sleep with my wife and two other women now. Oh gosh. <laughs> so, but, but Hey, that drunk guy, he was completely free from alcohol, still serving God. That lady that had lung cancer and dying, she got saved, went to a Baptist church. And then, um, and then that couple, they left the church, but their marriage is great. Wow. I don't know where that little girl is. So that was yeah. the beginning. But then, um, and I just remember there's that, that uh, God sent us, began to send us people supernaturally. It was a couple that are still with us in the pastoral team that they both had dreams and they saw us separately in their own dreams. And then wow. when they came to the little church service of 25 people, they both said, I have saw them in a dream. I did too. And wow. uh, we've been very good friends and we're just, and, and so God is sending those people, but um, but the first seven years, we had so much conflict. Uh, mm. Really, read the history of, of uh, Simon Bolivar in Colombia. It's all about leadership, treason, and backstabbing and everything. Wow. Wow. And my just, I felt like every time I was, I was should just put on a referee shirt, a zebra shirt, and just be a referee between people. And and then we, I was really hurt by some divisions. In the first season, I would say those conflict, insecurity, because when people want to leave the church, you feel insecure. Yeah, it's hard and, not to take it personally, yeah. 
Yeah, well, that's that's there's a principle right there. Don't take it personally. I mean, yes. hey, there's times that you and me want to leave our own church. So, you know, hey. <laughs> um, but uh, some people are sent to be scaffolding, to be there in the beginning. And they're yeah. not to be the best. And, and I, I wish I was quicker on releasing people. Wow. But one time I was really hurt. And this dear God, I still call him. And um, but he he started. I want to get into it all. He got into a kind of a weird sect uh, 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 teaching, but he he very influential, great leadership influence, and he took about fifteen or more families with him. Wow. And now at that time, there are only about four or five hundred people, and I oh. was just crushed. I didn't want to answer the phone, and um, but then then the, the the Lord spoke to me through Numbers seventeen. And remember when Korah rebelled against Aaron and Moses. Yes. Um, and, um, you know, God said, all right, Moses, give Aaron the rod. And Aaron was probably thinking, good, it's time when I'm whacking. I mean, you know, you, you get angry. And he said, take the rod and put your initials on it and have all the other leaders put initials on their rods and then lay your rod down in the darkness of the temple mm -hmm. overnight. Yeah. And so you have to die. And but but what happens? And the rod that flourishes with flowers and fruit, that will be your validation with the people. Yes. And so, you know, when I went through that, I said, okay, this is not this is not my church. It's yours. I died in this. There was a new anointing, a freshness. Wow. Um, and then there all the, you remember what God told uh, Moses when he was, not Moses, uh, Saul, he was so bummed out about um, anointing Samuel. I mean, that, I mean, God mixed up. Samuel was so bummed out about anointing yes. King Saul that uh, God said, oh, quit crying. And this is probably a word for some pastors today. Yeah. And go get a horn of oil. Fill yes. it up the, the new man. And remember, he anointed Saul with a flask. That's a human-made. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. But a horn, uh, something has to die to get a horn. Ooh yeah. And so when you come out of these deaths, and you're deaf to yourself, and you know our own personal ambition, then there's a horn of oil to pour on the next generation. And boy, did we see that! Wow. And God's that, given us. That Okay, we need to stop there just for a moment and and uh, really sort of define that leadership principle because I think for you to have to go through that very difficult, you know, period of losing those significant people at that moment and then for God to kind of bring you through that change. Um, mm -hmm. I just want to say to anyone who's listening who's a pastor or to anyone who's in any leadership, there's going to be those death moments. There's going to be those yeah. moments where where God has to, but if you lay it down, if you can actually surrender before the Lord in those situations, there is this new revelation. Talk about that for a second. Like, how does that how does that work? How did you how did you get there? Well, it sure didn't feel good. Yeah, um, exactly. And, and I remember one of my um, before I came to the Lord, one of my greatest problems was insecurity. Even like in public right. speaking, I couldn't even read a poem and. In the, in the writing class. Yeah. Um, but, but then, you know, the Lord, I thought he healed me of that. But when I got to the stressful points 
in the ministry when people are leaving, boy, did I discover that that insecurity was still there. Wow, yeah. <laughs> uh, but it was just you know, nights, just couldn't sleep, up, crying with my wife, praying. Yeah. And just a, a side note, even our two sons, they saw how we went through hurts. And I, and, but I think we made sure we didn't speak poorly of the people around them. Yes, and yes. I probably missed it. We probably messed it up a few times. But they both love Jesus and love the church. They're both well, serving. That's so good. And that's, that's, that's so just good. pure grace. Well, I know. But, uh, I know. Yeah, go ahead. I'll tell you another story, though. But um, one of the most supernatural things that happened during this time of uh, conflict and insecurity and people leaving, um, I was with a group of about 10 of us. And Charles and Ann Stock from Harrisburg. I think you know Charles and Ann. Yeah, they good friends. They were just finished the long fast and they came and they laid hands on everybody in the team. Wow. And they got, I mean, it was, I've never seen it before. They fell on the, you know, over the desk, back over the chair, weeping, crying, laughing. And uh, one of the pastors thought his wife was having a heart attack. But then they wow. prayed for me and, uh, well, praise God, nothing happened. But, but in 15 minutes or no, about an hour, I had to go for the evening service and, you know, get prepared for that because I yeah. thought I had to do everything in the church. I thought people wouldn't go to or come to church unless I prayed them in every morning. I mean, you know, right. I was yeah, just all exactly. yeah. and then, so I, I stood up to leave, but then I fell on the floor. I didn't feel anything emotionally. I just couldn't wow. move. And then I felt a hand pushing my face against the rug like that. And, and, um, and in my spirit was so clear. One question from Jesus, whose church is it? Wow. I'm sorry, I didn't hear you, Andrew. Whose church is it? And I, you know, I would say uncle, I mean, it's your church, it's your church. And so Whoa. the people got up and started looking at me, kind of laughing, look what's happened to the, you know, Andrew, ha, ha, ha. And they just heard me saying, it's your church, it's your church. And then it released after about a half an hour. I even had a rug burn on my cheek. And I got oh, up. God. And, uh, uh, and I start, so, well, I still got to go down and prepare the, the service. And then Ann stuck her little finger in my face. He's not finished with you. And then I fell on oh. the floor again. This time the floodgates of emotions. And I was crying and snot and just, I guess, all the hurts that I had. Oh. Um, but there it was, it was just, um, so, I mean, so we we're always have our own personal ambitions mixed with the vision God's given us. Yeah. And God just, will, will, he'll be faithful to kill those ambitions to That's purify right. our hearts. And I'm, I mean, right. he's still, still doing it to me, but it's his yeah. church. It is. And I've, I've actually just been reading uh, the new book about John Wimber by uh, Connie Dawson. And um, it's a really, you know, just very thorough perspective on Wimber's life. And one of the moments that shifted him was when the Lord spoke to him and said, I've seen your ministry. And, you know, it's kind of like, he says, now I want to show you mine. And that was oh. literally right before everything began to take off. And I think we do take our role as leaders sometimes too seriously in a possessive way 
and it really crimps the hose of God's greatest blessing for our lives. And I feel like, you know, the fact that you were able to have that encounter with the Lord and to be, in a sense, you know, reduced to a puddle on the ground is, I just think that kind of encounter is so necessary for all of us to step into the next level God has. And, uh, and that's why I even pursue healing on a pretty regular basis. Maybe once a year, once every two years, I, I go for a major, you know, three or four day healing mm. process because it actually resets and, you know, removes all the, uh, well, that personal ambition issue you were talking about. I mean, Jesus's disciples were fighting on the night that he was betrayed about who was the best. You know, it's like after three and a half years with Jesus, they still were struggling with personal ambition in the midst of their callings. And so you're right. Yeah, it takes a long time for God to purge that out of us. And again, I think that's one of the leadership principles we need to stop and just focus on is that, you know, God's molding a man, a woman to be his vessel. And that takes time and it takes kind of repeated <laughs> processing, you know, to get us where he needs us to go. But, you know, going back to the, the image of the horn with the oil in it, yeah. uh, the horn also in the Hebrew, the word is power. Oh. Because you think about the horn of a bull. If yes. I'm in the field and I see a bull, I'm not scared of the bull. I'm not scared of its flank or its leg. I'm scared of those horns because right. all the power of that bull is concentrating that horn. And I think that's what happens when we go through these death experiences. Uh, the power is concentrated in us. Yes. That's so, so good. Well, let's move ahead. Let's let's okay. so you went through that first seven year season and there was challenges there, but then yeah. obviously things started to come together because you know the fruit is there. You know, your rod started budding and bearing yeah. fruit. Well, I was praying just against that spirit, and God used the weirdest thing to break it. And after that, we never had any big conflicts. Little things you always had to fix, but the conflict yeah. was gone. Wow. And I, we, I took a, at that time, we had about 30 or 40 main leaders. And we went to this big house and we rented it for a couple of days to, to get away and, and going to have a spiritual encounter. And then I was just sitting in the, on the couch. Somebody came in, come in the kitchen. Uh, Juan David and, no, Joaquim and, and Juan David are fighting, even with their fist, Andrew. I was like, oh, that's never happened. Oh, my goodness. And I got up and said, how long is this going to go on? And I went in there, and they were you know, both lined up like that, you know. And then there was silence, and everyone started laughing. It was a prank. <laughs> they knew how much my heart would always be hurt when people were fighting. <laughs> and something in the spirit just broke, kind of making, yeah. making fun of the devil. But, um, oh, but that's so good. we started going into some pretty heavy, good growth. Um, but I let um, my caught my vision get hijacked. Yeah. And um, I, I want to say that before I mention them, we, we I start taking like big groups of 70, 80 leaders to Bogota to the, the G12 conferences. Yes. And I have such yeah. a high respect for those people, their faith and their soul winning. It's amazing. But right. it wasn't our calling because to me, it's just too much pressure and control. Yeah. And, um, and I start feeling, man, this church is not coming out of my heart. I, it's not. It's becoming something I don't want it to be. People are competing and numbers and and right. uh, and then yeah. I was saying, what am I going to do? And 
right before a service, this little lady who, she wasn't even all there. She came up and says, Pastor Andrew, I had a dream with you last night. All right, tell me. I saw you sitting in a wheelchair and another man pushing you. Oh, no. <laughs> and I knew God was telling me, you're the one in the wheelchair. This other powerful man is pushing you with his vision. And right then I made the decision, I'm cutting it off. And it wow. took about a year to clean out the atmosphere of that. Yes. Um, so don't, um, you know, um, appreciate, honor, you know, I always say good leaders don't borrow. We steal stuff from other people. But don't let anyone hijack your calling yes. and your vision. Have confidence. Right. Well, that's in that's the interesting thing is I mean you you and I have had so many parallels in our in our development. Uh, you know, I think about even even the God using that Korah story for us to break a spirit of conflict. That it was mm -hmm. actually a real moment where a principality showed up in our room and we were able to break it through numbers, you know, 10 through whatever, 15, reading through those passages. And, and, uh, but even this, you know, we, we also had that same, you know, connection with uh, Castellanos and uh, Bogota and really had a lot of respect for their engineering and what they developed, but we, we tried it on and it was Saul's armor. And, uh, yeah. and again, but it was it was an important step in our journey of learning how to raise up leaders because no one else had systematized leaders de leader development quite as well as these guys had. They just did it on the wrong foundation. And so, you know, they did it on a foundation of factory rather than family. And I feel like and again, I don't think they intended to do anything wrong. It was just it ended up going in that direction. And again, I have still so much admiration. Yeah. Mm -hmm. the price they Good. paid and the, but anyway, yeah. So that's amazing though, that you were able to come back from having instituted that in your midst and sort of clean out some of the, the cobwebs or the issues that you felt like were contrary to your culture and then return to your vision, which I yes. think is awesome. And it so it's still honoring their, the, you know, what we receive from them, you know, don't absolutely. Yeah. Do that. But I think we need to jump ahead. I'm trying to for the the secession for for sake of time. Yeah, let's go there. Yeah, I was around sixty. I was on the phone with with John Arnott, and John said, "Well, Andrew, you're getting kind of old, you know. What's <laughs> your um, who's going to be your who's going to hand over the church?" Says, "Well, I've got some people in mind, but I don't have any clarity yet." And he said, um, uh, "Well." You know, in a relay race, there's the fly zone. That's the zone. It's only you know about 20 meters where you can hand over the time. If you don't do it before that, you you lose. And if you hand it off too late, you lose too. Looks wow. like you're getting pretty you know, clear close to that fly zone, brother. So that really sparked um, my my heart to seek. And uh, and then God showed me this a young man in the church. He um, was a uh, he and his wife were coming, but he was a professional soccer player and he his left knee, uh, he had some sort of um, problem with it. And I remember praying for his knee and uh, God didn't heal it. Yeah. <laughs> and then, so he was out of the, the uh, football and soccer business and uh, he needed a job. And someone said, hey, uh, so with the game of job is a maintenance man. He was cleaning bathrooms. And then someone mentioned, hey, Andrew, you, you need an assistant. 
how about this guy, Wangi? I said, dude, that'd be great. I love the guy. And so I, he was my assistant for about three or four years. Wow. And, uh, and I didn't even think that, you know, he was calling as a pastor. But then, uh, then um, uh, when it was time, I saw that uh, I asked him if he wanted to be the youth pastor. And he just started crying and says, I never want to pr- pr- promote myself. But that's what I was asking God. Oh. And he took the transition of youth and the youth. At that time, we used to have youth meetings. Now we don't. It's all mixed up. But but because um, we, we want youth in all our services. But that's another uh, sure. time. And, yeah. uh, and it just about another 300 youth. And he did <laughs> amazing. And then it was time with John Arnott's question. And God just said, it's Wangi and Lily. She, but, you know, I, was, I didn't know her that much. So I was a little uncertain about her. But then after I got to know her, and this is what I said to the people when I presented them. I said, I was sure about you, Wangi, but I wasn't sure about Lily. But after, after Kathy and I got to know Lily, now we're not sure about you, Wangi. <laughs> and yeah. uh, so I got the, the two main, the pastors have been with us for, you know, for 28 years, 27 years, and told in my heart, because, you know, they were probably thinking, hey, we're next in line. But no, they were only, they're only 10 years younger than me. And they yeah. both said, you know, we probably in our own hearts would like to be the next head pastor, but we both see that this is God. Wow. And uh, that was so yeah. mature. And then yeah. we just took time in it, um, sharing uh, with the main leadership base and then with the, all the leadership one night. And they just exploded with joy. And then it was oh. time to share with all the church. And in every single meeting, there was just not just, you know, claps. There was people shouting and jumping, a so celebration. Good. And I, wow. I looked at her and I said, they never celebrated me like that. I mean, it was just, <laughs> it was just beautiful. That's so good. So, um, but now we have this, Juan and I, we can feel this holy tension. It's a good tension. I'm starting to focus more apostolically in church planning. Uh, seeing the, the church building used more for uh, high schools and businesses yeah. and the connection and, and with the marketplace. And, um, and then he's a little concerned, well, gosh, we've had problems with uh, parachurches, organ, parachurch organization in the past. So if, if we're having a kind of a little holy tension there, I mean, it's good. Yeah. It's all, no problem. Um, so that's this new season. Well, that's so interesting. So in that challenge, how are you guys resolving it? Because um, like, is there, a, is there a model or a paradigm that you're using? Because you still have authority, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, you still have kind of like, let's say, emeritus authority. I don't know how you describe it. But you're also really giving uh, Wangi the ability to be in the driver's seat. How does that, how do you guys process that together? Well, as well, you know, Kathy, because she's still you know, involved in the church, but I have to give her so much credit because she has had the grace to not, you know, use her authority to get in there and make decisions too. So we really, um, I, I really try to hold back. And first of all, I'm not in the day-to-day stuff. Yeah. The big stuff, uh, I can almost wait till he comes to me, which he does frequently. Yes. And, uh, and, and at the same time, I, I look at it this way. Uh, imagine a five-story building. Yeah. If, uh, you might have great vision, but you're on the second floor. 
if you're on the fifth floor, fifth floor, you have perspectives that the guy on the second floor doesn't have. Right. That's right. So as a pastor, when I was head pastor, I could see things clearly. Yes. Wangi now is on the fifth floor. Yes. I'm in another building next to him. Oh, yeah. Yeah. In the city. But he sees things that I no longer see. And so I I recognize that. Um, Now, there's a a, a few areas where um, I'm bringing in. I feel like the Lord said, this is your calling to be an usher to the Holy Spirit. Yeah. So I'm helping him that the Holy Spirit is more active. He's not the crazy uncle in the back room, but he's he's active in the the church services. Um, and, uh, and I'm also, um, he's really growing in words of of knowledge. Good. Exciting to see. So, um, yeah, I'm just there like, like a father, let him let, you know, like my two sons that are married celebrating their own house. I don't get into their household decisions, but I'm there for them in crisis or whatever. Oh, and by the way, that's a leadership principle real quick. Chaos in crisis. Yes. Those are the best classrooms. They are. You know, sometimes we just want to train leaders in a nice little group and coffee, and but we don't grow that way. Jesus said, let's have a class on faith. And they took their notebooks and they went to the, to the shore. And Jesus said, you better yeah. leave your books here. Get in the boat. Yes. And, then the and look, we have it all reversed. We like to have our disciples real close in a secure atmosphere and tell them, you're not ready for revival or for the multitudes yet. We got to really train you. But, and then one day, and that one day never comes, but Jesus said, let's just stir up revival. And right. he threw out these young um, bucks in the midst of the multitude and demons coming out and crazy. And then, then he trained them more personally. Then they came back and said, okay, Jesus, tell us, teach us how to pray now. Yeah, that's so good. Well, you know, you're also now that you're especially transitioning out of direct pastoral leadership into more of a, you know, I'd probably use the word in terms of a family model, a more grandfather role in the church. Um, but the um, but you also have other roles. So you're part of a larger movement of, of missional yeah. churches in, in South America. You also are meeting with business leaders. And you've told me even about a couple of encounters you've had with uh, governmental leaders and things like that. So you're this is what we would call a more apostolic kind of uh, role and position. And the word apostolic, again, you know, some people have a challenge with that, but let me just say that the word apostolic means to be sent and it's God Mm -hmm. sending us into different environments to bring his kingdom. It's like being an ambassador for the kingdom of heaven. And, um, you know, we often think of it as somebody who pioneers a church, but then we have a different model with Peter in the scripture where he all we know is that he pioneered one church in Jerusalem and then he sent out from there. So again, we have different apostolic models. And so you're stepping into a new sort of apostolic model in a sense. Talk about some of that and what you're learning in leadership as you relate to a business leader or as you relate to a a governmental leader, or even as you relate across the board into different cities with your movement, you're learning a lot right now. And, uh, and I believe it's part of your next level of, of, of leadership in the body of Christ. Talk about that a bit. Well, let me go back to that first principle. You can only have authority over what you love. And yeah. I, I remember, oh, I don't know how many years back, 
I was uh, having coffee for about the third time with this. He was the president of the estate assembly. Young okay. guy. He was a medical doctor, too. He's really sharp. And we were just uh, having coffee. And he puts down his coffee, and he had tears in his eyes. And I said, Hector, what's going on? He says, Andrew, I've been in politics for 20 years. And you're the first person that just wants to be my friend. Wow. 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 You know, a, 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 a hidden agenda. And people are starving for that. You know, businessmen and, 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 and well, I, I only try to minister to businessmen. That, that's another thing that saved us. We do not, I do not counsel women. <laughs> you know, <laughs> we just, uh, we just don't want to give the enemy any opportunity. Emotionally, yeah. We've been really kind of strict in that. Oh, pastor, I want a, a meeting with you. Nope. Talk to my wife. Wow. And, uh, yeah. Uh, and then, um, okay, but let me see. But then just, you know, just this other week, there's all these uh, young couples in our churches. They're having ministries from their workplace. A dentist and his wife are giving a day a week to minister, not just to a family, to their teeth, but to their whole family, putting their whole wow. family together and wow. free dental. And another couple uh, was trying to teach English online and, and bring values, and they weren't going anywhere. And all of a sudden, just two or three weeks ago, now they were going to have a Congress online with 7,000 women in Mexico, oh. several That's public amazing. schools in, a, in an area here in uh, outside of Medellin. And, uh, and another couple during COVID decided, man, we've got to do more for the businessmen. And so they started the online Congress. Of, wow. Uh, to empower not only to give values to the business people but to teach them how to have power evangelism and wow. uh, they had almost like three to five thousand people online the first year that's amazing and they didn't anything but they they uh but they and everybody all their their people they invited did it for free and it was powerful wow. second year they had over seventy thousand people going through uh, at least plugged in one day on the conference. And now that uh, the online's gone down because people can't do three days online on Zoom, but they were having about 10,000. But in about two weeks, they're going to have um, hopefully 3,000 people in a rented auditorium. And, uh, and, and, and so my excitement is this, and you said to me, Andrew, I think this is your new apostolic sphere. And it just lit mm -hmm. my heart. And it's wow. so exciting to be with business people because they need more faith than we pastors do. Um, yeah. And so uh, something's going on there. So I'm going to try to see, okay, I'm going to start dedicating time with the, these uh, professional people or business people. And then I'm going to be encouraged everyone. Even about three weeks ago from the pulpit, I said, I just want to apologize to all you business people. Um, First of all, I've always taught you to, you know, be a nice Christian, you know, have good values mm -hmm. in yeah. the church. Uh, but I'm sorry. I was supposed to, I should have been empowering you to realize your destiny and your mission and your ministry from your workplace. You're yes. not, you're not a second category of ministry. You're first, mm -hmm. you're front. No. Yeah. Oh, no, and then the other thing, the other thing um, I just came back from visiting our, uh, went to two different cities and we called in the pastors around and uh, 
And so I just took all day sitting around without teaching, just listening and, and sharing. But one thing I did say, I said, look, okay, let's put up a whiteboard. Let's dream what revival will look like. Wow. I mean, we've already done that. We're revival, no, but take time. What it's going to look like, and we all kind of put, um, you know, we saw this, you know, long lines, um, um, even like the Wales revival, bars closing, closing down. Um, sure. Every, in every business meeting, they're on their knees praying. I mean, just a, what would it really look like? A, a genuine revival and then start dreaming about it. that's so cool well this is so good and i'm so glad you've you've been on before you're one of our advisors you know we really treasure your input into what we're building at leaders alliance i think um also you know these these different principles that you've been bringing out today are just phenomenal. So as we wrap up, you know, because we need to wrap up in about the next uh, five to ten minutes, why don't why don't we see if we can kind of distill and summarize some of those things? Okay, so you talked first about dreaming, and that's powerful. Mm -hmm. And I feel like getting God's blueprint, you know, and being able to synthesize it with your personal sense of personal vision with God's intention. So let's let's start there, and let's see if we can just kind of hit. The four or five things that we've 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 kind of hit upon. I don't know if we can remember them all, but, uh, yeah. but there's some rich stuff. Okay, so talk well, then there's the principle of um, uh, you can only have authority over what you love. Ooh, I love that you one. Yeah, really ask God to give you a supernatural love. Yes, because um, the excitement of having a church yes. uh, won't last. Wow. That's so yeah. right. Um, yeah. You know, and, and most missionaries, they throw it in after two to three years. Yeah. Um, and one of the reasons, this is part of that, to keep the love fresh. Yeah. Little idiosyncrasies of the culture will start to tick yeah. you off, just like in a new right. marriage, you know. Absolutely. And you let those little foxes, you know, destroy the vineyard. You let those little so bitterness true. move in, and it stops the flow of love. And then so there goes out the window um, okay so be a dreamer love you know have you only can have authority over what you love you talked also about when you encounter difficulty there's three things one is the possibility oh, yeah. of warfare conflict okay. yeah there's either yeah. there are demonic forces against that need to do warfare uh, it's just personal immaturity and personal probably immaturity. On both, both sides yes that's true and then it's a uh, leadership structure is wrong. Yeah. And that that's true. Okay. And that's something really important. If you're, if you're watching this, this podcast, if you can understand where the conflicts come from. And the first one I think is so right. Personal immaturity. Seriously. Mm -hmm. I don't know how many times, you know, and, and, and God's so faithful to challenge us and grow us. If you're open to hearing his voice. And repenting and and realigning yourself with the Lord personally, and then there's spiritual warfare. Don't take it for granted. You know that that I've had a number of situations when I was in San Francisco as a pastor for 33 years, where the enemy kind of invaded a little bit, 
And we had to actually understand what was going on that gave him permission. And then we could break those things and, and eliminate them. That was key. Then the mm -hmm. final issue that, that Andrew just said, the issue of your, your structures and your systems might be out of whack with, with God's purpose. And, yes. and so go ahead, talk about that. It's so important that the, the head of the, uh, the lead pastor or the lead pastoral couple really have the uh, freedom to implement their uh, their vision, so they can't be uh, they can't be under the the control. You know, like we're paying you to pastor, yeah, and and that just is so unhealthy. Right. And uh, and usually, like for example, the deacon board in the Baptist church, usually yeah. they're all wonderful guys. Mm -hmm. But when they come together, you're deacon possessed. Right, exactly. Yeah, and this is this is also for those of you not in church ministry, but primarily working, uh, doing ministry in the marketplace. These principles are still true. You have to be a dreamer who's able to articulate your dream. You have to be somebody who loves what you're doing and the people you're doing it with to have authority to direct them. And then finally, this issue about when you have conflict. In the marketplace, in a, in a business or in a, a school setting or in some other some other uh, organization, these three things are still important. Your immaturity will hinder your your leadership. There are still spiritual warfare dynamics. You gotta, even though it's a, oh, that's a secular mm -hmm. company, he doesn't care about that. Yeah. No, insofar mm -hmm. as you're there, he's going to be dealing with you. Okay. Well, and, and also, also uh, when you're delegated, this is another structural problem. Sure. When sure. you're delegating new leadership, new responsibility, there's got to yeah. be the balance between they have authority and responsibility. I've seen yes. it where they have all responsibility and they have no decision-making authority power and they're frustrated. But if they yeah. have all responsibility, I mean, excuse me, yeah, all responsibility and uh, no, I mean, no, they have all authority, no responsibility, then that they're just, uh, they're not giving blood, they're giving opinions. Yeah, they, and they become a tyrant basically, and yeah. so there's three things that I would I would add one more to that, which is authority, responsibility, and accountability. Because again, yes. if we don't build the right accountability in, then that also can can that imbalance can create a, a separate set of problems, where you have somebody who's basically being a, a um, an Absalom or a or a Saul in your midst, and that can be very painful to your organization whether it's yes. a church or a business, if they don't have, a, if you don't have permission to speak into the life of the people you're raising up, you're going to be actually inviting a set of crises at a later point. And so um, this is such good stuff, Andrew, we need to wrap yeah, up. We need to wrap up, but maybe it'd be great to wrap up one last principle. Sure. Go for it. Genesis 2, 7, God formed Adam with his hands out of the dust and then blew into him and made him a nefesh, a living being. Love wow. the way that sounds in Hebrew. So when we're yes. ministering, even in the pastoral team and whatever group there is, have time with the word, but also space to minister the breath of God, life. So Ooh, hey, right, yeah. Michael, you and me, we just impart wisdom to pastor with love. Also, the anointing to pastor revival. And yeah, we release over everyone online a, a, a new grace, a new anointing 
to, to identify and to train and raise up leaders above you and beyond. Yes. It was joy. We bless you. The Holy Spirit said, I'm feeling it. He's just on us right now. And, and especially when you've been listening, you're feeling one area. Oh, boy, I don't know if I can do that. The anointing is on you saying, yeah, I can do that now. And I, right. I bless the, the call and your confidence. As it says in Hebrews, don't throw away your confidence. Holy Spirit, yeah. thank you for um, anointing. Because for these last days, Father, it's going to be just so big and wonderful. And thank you, Jesus. Amen. 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 Let's don't forget that as much as we focus on the principles of leadership, there is a supernatural power and dimension of leadership that comes directly from heaven. It's a gift of God. And yeah. so I'm glad you you finished that, that life-giving, that life-empowering uh, aspect of the kingdom. Well, thank you so much. Give my love to Kathy. And, and uh, I really i am sad I didn't get to visit you on my trip to Quito, Ecuador. But I hope to come down and see the real world of Colombia at some point. So uh, anyway, but thank you again also for serving us by giving us a little taste of your wisdom from time to time. Thank you. And I bless you in your move, uh, oh. this new move that is so stressful. You know, you're going from glory to glory. That little preposition is sometimes glory to <laughs> glory. Yeah. But I bless you in the transition. And I, I just I just know that you're going to have so much favor. Uh, I, wow. You're just going to be like the ball going into the catcher's mitt. It's going to hear that wonderful sound. You're right at home. That's so good. Well, thank you so much, my brother. And um, and again, for those of you watching with us, uh, both in uh, live and archive, thank you so much for being a part. If you want to know more about Leaders Alliance, go to leadersalliance.org. Check out some of the stuff that we're offering. Uh, we have some amazing tools for you as a leader, but we also have an amazing community. And if you feel like you're kind of out there by yourself and you don't have connection and friendship, join us. And I also want to mention as we close that we have an amazing uh, class, uh, an e-course on Kingdom Leadership Foundations. And if you're kind of saying, I know I'm called to be a leader, I don't know really where to start, or I know I'm a good leader, but I, I need a little bit more structure, please check out this amazing tool because it will grant you, it's eight hours of teaching, but it's in 10 minute segments. So they're very easy to grasp and it will give you a sense of clarity in terms of your relationship with the Lord and leadership, your leadership in the Holy Spirit, your personal leadership with others and your life management leadership. And then our second course, which is about to be released in about a month or two, our second course is on organizational leadership. So all these will be helpful for you. God bless you. And uh, we'll see you next week. Take care.